What's up? Welcome to this week's episode of the Two Rowdy Vegans podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in. We appreciate you. And what we're going to talk about this week is do farmers and ranchers love their animals while they kill them as well? And the reason we want to talk about this topic actually is because this is something that Renee's been saying pretty much everywhere she goes. Like she just says it all the time. And uh, we decided to make it into a little meme or just put it out. And uh, it, it kind of mustered up a little bit of controversy, let's say. And so we, we wanted to talk about it and unpack it because, um, you know, we both felt like it was something important to, to talk about and, and address uh, so that we can understand people better. And ultimately, by understanding people better, and in this case, ranchers and farmers, we can become better advocates for animals, for them, and uh, create a better world. So before we get into that, I, I, I forgot something. You did. Who are we? Um, I don't even know what state I'm in, dude. Dude, I think it's like we're like we're like the two, the two, the two, the two, the two, the two rowdy, like rowdy. The two, the two rowdy vegans. Two, two, 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 two rowdy vegans. Two, two rowdy vegans. One plus one equals two rowdy vegans. To start this out, you know, you've been, you've been saying all the time, like, well, you know, ranchers love their animals and kill them too. Why have you been saying that everywhere you go? Well, I say that because, you know, my husband is one of the most kindest, hardest, you know, he's got a kind heart and he's very compassionate very loving and I you know knew him when he was you know ranching and sending animals to sell barn uh you know I saw him take care of the cows with him and his partner I saw him really care about you know mamas that were having babies going out there in the fields with them I heard him always talking about the cows what they needed you know and he'd sit with them for like hours if they were colicking or you know and granted, some people could say, well, that's just because they're a commodity. And that is partly true. But there is a human aspect to, to ranchers that really, they, they do what they do because they love animals. But they're trapped in a belief trap. It's a belief trap that this is what they have to do. They have to go up to this certain stage then they have to send the animals to the cell barn. They have to make money and they have to pay, you know, pay their bills and they're feeding the world. So this is a belief trap, but they love animals. They love the land. I mean, even though, you know, the environment is suffering terribly because of animal agriculture, farmers and ranchers, the ones that are multi-generational anyways, you know, are in a belief system that they really do love these animals. And, you know, it's, if we're going to butt up against that and say, no, you don't, you know, you're a murderer, which is by the way, what I did when I went vegan and <laughs> <laughs> I, I flat out told Tommy the very next day after I went vegan, you're a murderer. <laughs> you know? And, you know, and uh, because I really do believe that today, I do believe. And some of my vegan friends will even say, Renee, you shouldn't be so harsh you know, you shouldn't call, you know, it murder. But I think it is. But even though I think it is now, I didn't used to think it was. And I loved animals. 
Tommy loved animals. You met the trailers. Mm -hmm. You know, in fact, I was just talking to them yesterday about this mm -hmm. very topic again. Mm -hmm. uh, I talked to Elena about it. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, she loved animals. You know, a FFA girl that surrendered Gizmo to me. And we talked about, you know, and it was hard for her. She started crying how she loved Chubbles, mm -hmm. the pig that she sent to auction, and how much mm -hmm. she loved him all mm -hmm. the way to the slaughterhouse. You know, this is real. And for vegans, particularly, to not want to talk about it, you know, because they've got this, they've got this, they've got a belief system, right? Vegans, and we're vegans, but there's a certain evolution of vegan that doesn't want to believe that, that farmers and ranchers could possibly love their animals. Right. Actually, you bring up a couple of interesting points because that speaks to how as human beings, we like to rationalize the things that we believe. So if we have a certain belief, we like to find ways to justify those beliefs. So by becoming vegan, if we believe that inherently farmers and ranchers don't love their animals, it's a very easy thing to believe and it's very convenient for us to believe. So I think that's one element. But another element that I think you brought up that is, is really interesting is this idea of what's what's practical because at the end of the day the reason that you know and, and, there, and there are two parts of it too, right because there's one part where we want to see reality for what it is and we want to call things the way that it actually are so when we make a statement like meat is murder we're saying well when we purchase meat or when we buy meat or eat it we are paying for an animal to be killed so in that sense meat is murder so that's one way of looking at it where we're saying that this is how the world is but then there's another way of thinking which is what's going to be an effective way to communicate or what's going to work or what, what are beliefs or ways of looking at the world that actually serve us as advocates. And so in this case, for example, you, you know, and, and you tell, you told this story several times on this podcast too, about how when you became vegan and you started calling Tommy a murderer, that, that didn't go so well. And, and so, yeah. And, and so, and so what you said earlier is, is very interesting because you said that, you know, farmers and ranchers, from their point of view, they love their animals. And so if we go up against that, then it's not going to open up and um, it's not going to open up a, pr a productive dialogue between us and them uh, necessarily. And so I think, I think to understand this, because, you know, I've, I've been on, I've been on both sides of the fence where when I first became vegan, you know, I, I found out about everything that goes on and I was like, Oh, I, like, I guess farmers and ranchers don't love their animals. And there are also a lot of actions happening around the world right now. Uh, actions, you know, mass actions where people go into, into farms and slaughterhouses and lock them down and, and confront, uh, and not, not really confront, but it's, it's more to create, to force transparency on the, on the industry. And, you know, one thing that they'll say, because a lot of these people have been inside many, many farms and, everywhere they go, they see animals who are, who are suffering. And so they're like, well, you know, t like tell me again how farmers love their animals because that's, that's what they see. Now, I think like there, there are a few things to keep in mind here. First of all, one thing that I think we shouldn't do is lump everyone together and understand that different people are different people. In the same way that we see animals as individuals, human beings are individuals as well and different people act differently, right? So for example, comparing say like because we, we can't go into into say like a large-scale factory farm and be like the people who work there clearly don't love animals and they clearly treat them as commodities that's a different context from say when tommy had a ranch exactly. it, like 
you, you know, and I think it's very easy to, to lump those together. And so when, when like e either, either side of the argument, right? If we say that, oh, farmers don't love animals, then that could represent a certain, like you, you couldn't make that argument very compellingly for a certain demographic of people who raise animals, but that wouldn't necessarily apply in the same exact way to someone like Tommy or the trailers or the Barrett's that, that we interacted with. So I think that's one thing we have to take into consideration. And then the other thing I think we have to take into consideration is what, 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 is it, what does it even mean to, to love someone? And you, you know, what, one thing that's behind veganism is this idea of moral consistency, where we want to be consistent in our morals, in our way of thinking about things. And when I, when I thought about it, right, something like saying like, oh, farmers don't love their animals just because they kill them. You know, like, of course, killing is the, the worst thing that you can do to someone in a way of looking at it. Um, but I think that if we're, if we're making such a black and white statement, then we can make it about pretty much anything. Like, for example, you, you know, we could say that parents don't love their children because they hurt their children. Or, you know, when you're in a relationship, you don't love your partner because you, you hurt your partner. Or, or it's like, well, you never loved your partner because you divorced them. Which is, which is just, just not true because in, in the way that love works, it, it can work in moments in time where at certain points in time, you can love animal, like you, you can love someone at a certain moment and then hurt them in other moments. So that's one thing. Um, and, and, then the, and then the other thing is that when in, in a situation between human beings, right? Like say me, me and my parents, like I, I, could, I can love my parents, but I can also do things that are hurtful towards my parents sometimes and it might not be my intention. Um, it, doesn't ju it doesn't justify the act, like, like nothing justifies the act. And, and to be clear, like, you know, I don't want anyone to think that when you or me say something like ranchers can love animals that we're justifying the fact that they're, they're sending them to the cell barn or slaughtering them. There's never a way to justify that. We're, we're 100%, you, we're, we're so clear on that. Um, but I think those are important points to consider to be empathetic towards them so that we can understand them better, so we can communicate better and ultimately create change in a, in a more effective way. Yeah, it's about the dialogue. You, you know, it's about the conversation. If you, if you are a typical vegan, you probably won't be in the living room of, you know, Cindy and Richard Trailer or the Barrett's. Yep. If you're a typical vegan, you probably won't end up there. Yeah. Uh, we used to be cattle ranchers. You know, we end up there and we have a program, the Rancher Advocacy Program, and we are developing a, um, you know, a way to do activism with Rap Evolve. That's, you know, little E, little B, little O, and big L. Mm -hmm. That's love backwards. Hello. That's what they do. They're loving all wrong. This is, but they don't know it's wrong. You know, and I'm not going to sit in their living room and go, you're a murderer. You, there's, and that's the first thing all they do is go, whoa, back up, Jack. I mean, they want us to just back up and get on out of their house if we call them a murderer. However, if we're in their living room or sitting around their bar having a cup of coffee and we start asking questions and we start dialoguing about how we feel when we used to take the animals to the cell barn and then the next thing you know, the farmer that we're talking to says, yeah, I know how you feel. I felt like a murderer too. And, yep. oh, that's what yep. happened, right? Yep. I mean, Exactly. But so it's about inviting these ranchers that love animals. See, it's about accepting them. Everyone likes to feel accepted, especially in their own home. Okay. If you're in their home, you know, 
it, because I used to be, uh, you know, in ranching, because my husband was a rancher, I was around it for, you know, for, for a long time. Because I was, I know what it feels like to be a rancher. Mm -hmm. And so I will say, you know, I know how you feel. I'm yeah. Sure, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and that makes, and that makes all the difference, you know, and, and, and to your point, animal agriculture is different <laughs> than your family farm. The CAFOs, the, you know, those duck farms, like what, you know, DXE went in and, uh, you know, took action against, all, oh, you know, these chicken farms where they just throw these chickens, that isn't, no, that's not loving animals. I'm sorry, that I will never ever be able to go into a CAFO, uh, you know, operator. These people are a whole different type of people. Uh, it's not your family farmer. I'm not talking about CAFOs. I'm not talking about, you know, those, these big, these big operations that slaughter animals, you know, yep. in a second. Yeah. I'm talking about your family farm. Yeah, and, and, and to be to be clear, like I I just want to reiterate it, like say this again because I think it's so important. Like by by saying this and making this distinction, we're not saying that a family farm is any more justifiable than a, than a big CAFO. Either way, it's it's wrong. It's just that like that, that's that I, I guess that in in a way like that's that's a black and white way to look at it because either way you're still exploiting animals. Yeah, and, but they're in the system. It's kind of like what you heard. Yeah, about yeah, yeah. Barrett yeah. always said they were being exploited. You know, they yeah. didn't know how to get out of this system. See, the system is corrupt. The farmers that we talk to are in this system, and they're doing what the system dictates. Period. Yeah, and and for, from someone like I, I like to talk a little bit about my perspective and what I've experienced, say, being around you or being around the Barretts or being around the tra the trailers. Which, by the way, we have episodes with every one of those people on our podcast. You can check that out. But um, you know what I what I've found hanging around Tommy or hanging around Cindy and Richard or uh, Jennifer and Rodney, who are all people who were in animal agriculture, is that like really in a way of looking at it, they do love animals more than an average, like say an average vegan or an average animal lover who's not in animal agriculture. And the reason I say this is because they've spent so much time around animals and they actually know things that I would have never known. Like they know better than anyone else that animals do have feelings, that they suffer. And you know, like R Richard said this himself. He was like, yeah, you're right. You go to the cell bar and you drop them off and they look back at you like you're abandoning them and you felt like a murderer. And he, and he actually said that. And so he knows that better, like better than anyone else because he spent so much time with them. And I've heard stories from Tommy or from, from Rodney where it's like, you know, they, they themselves or even friends of theirs who say they have like a sick calf, they're going to do everything to save that calf. Or I've heard multiple stories from Tommy and Rodney again about how I just haven't, I, I'm sure Richard has the stories too. I just haven't spent as much time with him. But, you know, Tommy and, and Rodney both told me about how they, they have done things to save, save wildlife or to do things to make the, the life of wildlife better. And, and they've actually cared about them. Although they've also been hunters at one point, they've also done things to, to help them, right? Which are actions that say, like, I, like I, have, I have never done that. Like, I, I was probably in, actually, I was in situations where I could have helped animals and I didn't know how to, or I just didn't at that time. Um, but they have stories about how they were in those positions and they actually helped those animals. And so I think what you said earlier brings up a really important point about all this, which is when people feel trapped in a system or, or, are, or I don't know if I would say are trapped in a system because that's the whole point of the, the Rancher Advocacy Program is to create an alternative. But one experience that, that I thought was so interesting is when we were sitting down 
with Richard, um, which again, you can listen to this entire conversation we had with Richard and Cindy on the podcast. You asked him at some point, you, after, after he said about how, you know, he feels like a hypocrite because he's an environmentalist and, and he's raising cattle and he feels like a murderer when he, when he sends his cows to sale barn. And you asked him, what if there was another way? And he, like, I remember he was a little bit reluctant at first, but at some point you were like, well, what if there was a different way? And he said, I'm all ears. I would, I would love to learn about that. And that was something that was really interesting because that is a common thread I found between them, between Tommy said something similar, um, and then the Barrett's. Um, I remember Rod, like, you know, Rodney telling me about how he used to send the cows to the sale barn or, you know, send the chickens to the slaughterhouse. And he was like, and, and for him, like, it, like it, it, went, it went deeper than with, than with Richard, but he told me how he had to, like, he had to put away a part of himself where he has always loved animals. And, and for, you can see it very clearly, he, like he has like many dogs in the house, right? So he's like, I had that part of me, and I'm paraphrasing here, I had that part of me, but I had to like create a shell around it to do what I was doing. And it's almost because like for him, and, and especially in this situation, right? Cause he was someone who was, who owned a, a huge farm, right? A hundred thousand chickens every 52 days. And where, where he felt like it was, it was a downward spiral because the, the more he raised chickens, the more he went in debts. And then like the company would have new regulations or they'll be like, you have to update your equipment to keep up. And he had to compete with other farmers, like, et cetera, et cetera. And so for him, he was like, well, I, ha I have to keep doing this because literally I, like, I'm going to sink if I don't do this. And so he kept doing it, but by doing it, he, he, he had to more and more like, put, I, I think he, he put it in a way where he said something like I had to put a callus around my heart or, or something like that. Yeah. Um, which, you know, yeah. And, and, and it's like, it's the true definition of compartmentalization. yeah. And, and it's, it's from his perspective. Like he just, he really didn't see an, an alternative. And because of that, he had to do something that ultimately went against his values. Like, I think that's why, like, for example, we talk about just animal rights or animal liberation in general. We, we say we say things we throw out these statements like oh people are already animal lovers which i think is is very true like people already empathize with animals they see animals in the street like they'll they'll say hello or at the very least they're not going to go harm them right um but then like they, they still go and, and consume them and in the case of a farmer say like rodney my experience with of him was that he has oh and jennifer too actually and she literally says this that they have always wanted to love animals that's why they got into farming in the first place but they had to learn somewhere along the line that killing animals was part of the job. And as time went by, they created so many layers of, you know, between how they felt and what, what they were doing that allowed them to keep doing what they were doing. And it didn't mean that at the core, they didn't love animals. It was rather that because that's the, the belief system, like you like to say that they were entrenched in, they, their, their actions got more and more got further and further from that and what ended up happening is that they did something day in and day out that went against their own values and their own morals and the importance of us seeing it this way is that if we do see it this way like i said earlier we're able to create productive dialogue between them and have things like the rancher advocacy program be effective in that we're like hey listen we understand what's going on here and you can even say it's even better because you were in it we used to do this Here's an alternative. 
And here's something you could do instead yeah. where you can actually change. And now you can love animals for real, not just in your intention and how you really feel, but with your actions as well. Yeah, yeah. You know, and what's, what's really, um, you know, what set this off, you know, was, you know, we're going along doing what we do. We put a meme out and boom, you know, it's like this meme, this meme lights up and, uh, you know, Instagram did one thing, Facebook did a total mother thing and you know one of my friends sends me this uh message you know and and you know it's, it's somebody I, I know and respect in the movement i'm not going to say who it is but i am just going to say you know it's like hope you tom and your staff and all the animals are doing well i'm in the blah 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 group and your most recent post did not go over well because i think it's being misinterpreted i will post pics below and as a friend just give you my critical comment that people are naturally interpreting this as a non-vegan message. Um, no one really believes that ranchers love their animals. See, the word no one is like, that's just not, that's not so. People do believe it, they do. <laughs> um, and we spend so much time in our posts making it clear we don't believe any ranchers or animal ag person truly cares about their animals. We laugh at them when they say that because love doesn't involve killing. I know you had good intentions with this post. I would never doubt that. But my respectful suggestion as a friend and fellow activist is to delete this post or redo it with a better explanation and it is, as it is right now, rubbing many vegans the wrong way. Well, I saw that and I was like, wow, I talk about this everywhere. I mean, <laughs> everywhere I go, I mean, I, woo did y'all know, you know, that ranchers love their animals and kill them too. It's so crazy because I think every speech that I've heard you deliver, you've said that. And, <laughs> and I just assumed in my mind, like in my mind, I'm literally like, I'm, I'm pretty sure this is the phrase that you're known for. <laughs> like, I think like that, that's what I thought. So that's, that's why I was, I was really surprised too when that came out. But yeah, when you're I saying. I saw that, I'm like, <laughs> did he not get the memo? Are, are people just now, you know, did this meme like, it's funny, you know, some people when they see something, I mean, that picture was bold. The meme was, you know, was in your face. And you know what? It's getting attention. The, it's, and that's what we want, isn't it? Isn't that what we want is to get people talking, the conversations happening, because just like ranchers and farmers are disconnected from the whole process, vegans are disconnected to ranchers and farmers. See, there's a disconnect there. So that's the reason, I mean, like I've been asking people, well, what are you gonna do to change a rancher or farmer's mind? What's your idea? What's your program? How are you going to get that to happen? How are you going to convert the 248,000 farms and ranches in Texas? By telling them, you know, they don't love their animals? No. You meet them where they are with the understanding that we know they can go further in that love. We know that once they get out of that compartment that they carefully built around their heart, See, they have to build a very, a very well-crafted compartment that's built on tradition, culture, hundreds of years of beliefs 
about how this family does this. This is what they do. It's, it's, it's this true blue, beautiful compartment. So to get them out of that compartment requires going into that compartment with them. Mm -hmm. Being in that compartment with them, understanding how they feel in that compartment, so they can navigate in that, in that compartment and find a window to their soul. The deep yeah. part of them. You yeah. know, that's really what the Rancher Advocacy Program is doing. It's getting in that compartment with them. I call it the back door. Now I'm kind of, you know, seeing that it's actually the back door of their compartment. So that they can find that window, open it, and let the sunshine in. And because once they go out, they never will crawl back in there again. Yeah, and, and I think, you know, I, a lot of what we've been seeing is that what we're talking about here is not such a, it's not such a black and white matter. And when I was thinking about it, I was like, you, you know, it's because when we talk about something like love, love is something that's very, like different people can have different definitions for it. And it's kind of like, it's like this thing. It's like this thing that we feel like it's, it's not, it's not as like, it's not like, like I have a plate next to me. I'm like a plate is a plate. Like, but, but, but what is love really? And you could, you could find many different definitions of it. And, you know, I, I like the definition that I, I think like it, it was given by like Thich Han in one of his book, like about love, which was an incredible book. Um, but if, if, you know, like, cause here's the thing, right? If you really want to go, go pure with what love is, I believe that really pure love is when you really want the best for someone and you, you, you don't, you don't hurt them. You don't do anything that could, uh, that, that could negatively affect them when we don't have to, it could be practical, but like you, you just, you just want the best for them. And if we're, if we're going to take something like that definition, then, you know, and I understand it's on a, it's on a spectrum. So maybe loving someone and killing them is like the extreme version of, of what I'm about to say. But within that spectrum, if you're going to make a statement like, we don't believe that any farmers or ranchers love their animals and make it like that black and white of a statement, then I can also make a statement like, well, no parents love their children because every parent hurts their children at some point. And that is obviously an absurd statement. And so, you know, although, of course, it's on, it's on a different, like, it's on a different level on this, on this scale, right? And even so, like, there are, there are parents who hurt their children in, in minor ways. And, and, to the, to the child, and to be clear, I think to, to the child, like, no matter how your parent hurts you, it could be super traumatic. So I don't think we should ever downplay how people get hurt. But for some people, you know, they might, they might get, like, verbally abused. And other people, they might get verbally abused and emotionally abused and physically abused. Like, and this, so it's, it's, a, it's a spectrum. And, but... I have to say this before I, yeah. before I it's, a, it's you think about serial killers that love you know claim to love these these people these victims that they kill right or or these weird evangelists and preachers that love their congregation they love this and then they you know send them off to die in some firing squad I mean that's very perverse yeah how would you believe they love them and they're in this this place where they really believe this and they kill all these people. Yep. To ranchers, it's not as perverse because it's not human. But one of the things that happened to me, and it's happened to Jennifer, and it's happened to Cindy, it's happened to Elena, I can start to cry in a moment's notice because I was, I can't believe what I was so complicit to. Mm -hmm. Now that I'm out of that trap, I mean, I know that I was, I was in bondage. It's a bondage 
to a system that farmers and ranchers do not know they have another way. And so they love these animals that they're gonna send to the sale as much as they can possibly love them in the confines of the definition that animal ag has given them, that FFA has given them. That's why these kids, you know, and parents are so conflicted, some of them, they just can't go the distance uh, because they start to see a window where maybe they could take care of their pig or their lamb. Mm -hmm. You know, and mm -hmm. so it's it's not like a serial killer, but it's another type of it's it's an ability to kill and and love because it's a rancher, it's a rancher mentality. This is what it is. Yeah. When and you, when yep. you get out of it, it's like the remorse, the sorrow, the absolute, that's why I will do anything till my dying day. I will take a bullet dead in the street for these animals. I mean, my whole life now is committed to this cause to relieve their suffering because I know that that's, that's what I must do. Mm -hmm. yeah and when you were talking about serial killers it reminded me of i was reading a book recently i believe it was never split the difference by chris voss it could have been another book but i'm pretty sure it was in this book uh and in that book chris voss is the former lead international um kidnapping negotiator of the fbi or hostage negotiator so he had to negotiate situations with people who are holding people hostage uh, pretty much all around the world and get them to come back to safety. So it was this very, very high stakes kind of thing. And in that book, he goes over what he learned about negotiation and communication during his time at the FBI. And uh, one thing that he said, which was really, uh, that, that really struck me, is he was talking about how, when you look at people who have, who hold hostages or who do like crazy things, like who go rob banks, and you know, we can think about, about them as crazy people, or you know, we're like, man, like, these people, like, I don't know how they think about themselves, but what he has found is that a lot of times people who commit horrible crimes, their self-concept is that they're doing something good and that they were, they were misunderstood in, in their idea of what doing good is. Now, of course, they weren't doing good, but there was their self-concept. And here's the important point. The important point is that he has found that in order to negotiate effectively with them, they must feel understood. Yeah. And once and once they feel understood, it's much more likely for a good outcome to come of that. Right. And, a great point. And, and, and so I think this, yeah. And so I think this apl this applies really well to our situation, um, where, where like you said very early on in this conversation, you said that people like to feel understood. Um, but yeah, because if people don't feel understood, like and you can like for anyone listening, you can look at this in your own experience where it's like, you like how much do you feel like opening up or changing or doing anything when you're talking to someone and you don't feel heard or understood. So. Yeah, how can you have a conversation at all? You know, we've talked yeah. about it before, Ryuji, about re alcoholics. You know, alcoholics, you know, look how much they hurt their family. Yeah. Alcoholics will, will drink, will drink, 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 go into blackouts, hurt their family, maybe even kill somebody in blackouts that they love because they're in this freaking state of mind because of alcohol. We're in a state of mind as ranchers, as farmers. It's a state of mind that has been dictated to us 
by a system. It's not, in, you know, but until we, until we do our best to love within the confines of that system. So if you offer them another way, which is what we're doing, they're finding their own capacity to love within there. Mm -hmm. and then they get out. It's beautiful, honestly. You do have to understand them. If you, if you, if you meet somebody and you're just totally not going to understand where they're at, I mean, I respectfully, you know, disagree with my friend. You know, I love my, I love this guy. He's one of my very dearest vegan friends. But, you know, hey, you know, we're going to have a conversation about this. I haven't talked to him yet, but we're going to have a conversation. I'm not going to take a post down and be afraid. This is the very thing that needs to happen. These conversations need to happen, which is why I'm so glad we're doing this. On the yeah, weekend. me too. I'm excited. Well, you know, I, I, I wrote, a, I wrote a few notes for, uh, for what, what, what I was thinking about because this is something that I've been, I've been around so much. But uh, yeah, I, I pretty much went through everything that's I, I had in my mind. Is there anything else that you wanted to add to this conversation? I think we said a lot. I think we ought to, you know, I mean, I mean, I really do think that we unpack a lot of real truth here, and um, I, and I'm glad we did this. I need it. Yeah. I really need to do yeah. it. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm really glad too, because this is the kind of conversation that gets me thinking in, in a more nuanced way where I don't see the world as so black and white. And what I found is that when I'm willing to question myself or when I'm willing to question beliefs or status quo, even within like say the vegan community, right? Because I, th I think as vegans, sometimes we're like, oh, we, we have the absolute truth. And for me, I found that it always serves me to, to look deeper and think, more deeply about things and most importantly understand people i always try to understand like i i put i put i just posted a video on my youtube channel where i was talking to these people at a dog beach and i was asking them about like loving dogs and loving animals and things like that and people ask questions like well you know do, like don't you don't you just feel like screaming when people say some of these things and i'm like no because i understand them or i do my best to understand them and over time I found that if I become more empathetic towards anyone and like, and I, and I do this, I do this for everyone, whether it be someone who's vegan, someone who's not, whether it be a rancher or even someone who works in a slaughterhouse, I want to understand their worlds because to me, what I found is that if I understand people and I'm really empathetic towards where they're coming from and I try like, and I, I try my best to really understand them, even though I, I won't ever completely cause I'm not them. But if, if I do my best to be empathetic, then that makes me a more, uh, more effective advocates for animals because I'm able to communicate better with different people and it, like it just it, I found that it helps me and it helps animals which is what's most important to me so yeah I want to say one thing because mm -hmm. we're going to be you know doing our wrap summit in September of 2020 so y'all yep. that date to come out really soon uh mm -hmm. the wrap summit because one of the things we're going to do is we're going to unveil for the first time, you know, one of the workshops that you're going to be able to take to get certified as a RAP eball. So activists are going to be able to get certified in how to speak to these farmers and ranchers and sell farms. I mean, we're going to go through an entire regimen and scripting and all that so people, you know, activists out there can learn how to dialogue with these people, which is cool. Yeah. Hey, dude. Amazing. All right. Well, thank you so much for listening to this podcast. We hope you enjoyed this podcast. And uh, yeah, we'll talk to you real soon. Two, two, two rowdy vegans. 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 Two, two rowdy vegans. One plus one equals two rowdy vegans.